all these remotes up here. I don't know what I'm going to do here. <clears throat> good morning to you all. Good to be here with you again. Um, my wife and I uh, have on our channels, our TV set at home, the, the Hallmark Channel. We watch a lot of Hallmark uh, movies. And you're probably saying, well, what's he talking about, Hallmark movies? Well, you know, the Hallmark movies are all basically the same. You know, the same plot every time. Uh, but um, they're all G-rated, okay? You know, they're all, they're all good, you know? I, I read somewhere not too recent, not fairly recently that uh, uh, Hallmark Channel getting a lot of the, the uh, you know, the audience percentage, because, I think because it's G-rated. And, you know, when you go back to the, watch some of the other stations, then you, you feel like, boy, there's a lot of junk on here. You don't find that on Hallmark. Now, having said all that, what I wanted to say is this. Most of the time on the Hallmark Channel, there's some kind of love story, you know. Um, it's a love story. However, probably, if, if you watch those, those sentimental, sappy movies like we do, you recognize that the kind of love that the Hallmark Channel is talking about is not really Bible love. They may not have some of the junk that some of the, but, but their love uh, isn't, isn't scriptural kind of love. You recall a couple of weeks ago, we were in Ephesians chapter 3. We looked at that prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesian people. Really, I think it's a a response of Paul based on everything he wrote in those first three chapters about what God has done for us. And in his prayer, he uh, points us to, pointed the Ephesians to, the love of Christ. <clears throat> so he's thinking about all that he's written about, God working in our salvation, God pre you know, beginning the church, all those things are an evidence of the love of Christ. In the second half of the book of Ephesians, where we're going to be this morning, no, we're not going to cover the whole second half of the book. But in, in that second half, there are practical things. Okay, Here's what God has done, first three chapters. Now the last three chapters, here's what we are supposed to do as God's people. The first thing that uh, Paul mentions in, in chapter 4 of Ephesians is to walk in unity. <clears throat> Actually, verse 1 says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling but he's, the first thing he tackles in, in, in specifics is walk in unity. And then in verse four, in chapter 4, verse 17, he says, don't walk like the Gentiles walk. We're to walk together in unity, but we're not to do it in a careless way. We're supposed to walk not as the Gentiles walk, but walk in holiness. Down to verse 24, put on the new self, which is in, in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And then we come to the text that I want to look at this morning, and that is walk in love, chapter 5. He prayed about the love of Christ, chapter 3. Now he says in chapter 5, walk in love. Right at verse 1 of chapter 5, would you follow along with me, please? Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up, up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. 
And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Walk in love. <clears throat> we know that love is a, is a great key word for the Christian life. It's, uh, it's important. It, it's, it's sort of a, a big umbrella here that, that covers everything in the Christian life. We're supposed to love God with all that we have, and we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. We know these things. And Paul says here that we are to walk in love. You'll, it's pretty easy to see how this uh, passage breaks down a little bit, just to kind of give us a, a kind of a working outline here to begin with. You, you see the first two verses. There's a command. There, it's actually a twofold command. One is be imitators. Do this. Imitate God. And then walk in love. Obviously, those two things go right together. That's the positive command. Here's what we're to do. Our example is Christ, verse 2. Just like Christ. Be like him. He thought of Christ in chapter 3. The love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Now he says, walk like Christ in love. And then in verse 3, there's a negative. Positive, do this, walk like Christ. The negative, don't do this. And we'll, uh, we'll get to that part, hopefully this morning. <clears throat> Doesn't seem to fit with the first two verses. But it does. All right, let's look at that command then here, the, the positive command. He says that we are to be imitators of God. You and I, I believe. The, the Ephesians, likewise us, we're to be imitators of God. The word for imitate here, be imitators, the word is where we get our English word mimic from. The Greek word sounds a lot like that word mimic. Mimic, imitate, follow. <clears throat> Paul uses that word a number of times in his writings. Quite often it's follow me as I follow Christ. This one here is be imitators of God. Follow him, mimic him. Now, when we, when we think of the word mimic or imitate, we, we, normally we think of uh, someone, uh, you know, like a, like a comedian. He's going to mimic John Wayne, okay? He's going to use the voice, talk like John Wayne or somebody, you know, going to mimic. So when we think of the word mimic or imitate, we think we're, we're, uh, we're not being ourselves. We're acting like somebody else. We're kind of being phony. That's not what Paul is suggesting here. He says that we are to mimic God. That, now, that can be, that can be a counterfeit thing. Paul writes in other places of uh, angels of light. They look like the real thing, but they're really emissaries of Satan. That's not the kind of imitation he has here. He has in mind here. <clears throat> but it is possible. If, if we are commanded to be imitators of God, then I, I take it that it's possible to do that. Otherwise, it wouldn't be commanded. Are we supposed to be Christ-like? Are we supposed to be conformed to the image of God's Son, Christ? Yeah, we are. It is possible to do that. 
We're to imitate him, not, not a false imitation, not a counterfeit thing, but we are to imitate him. And to do that, we have to walk in love. That's how we are to imitate God. Walk in love. One of the key words in the book of Ephesians is this word love. We saw it in chapter 3. We see it here. There's a story in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is invited to go to the house of Simon the Pharisee. And uh, as probably you know, when, when you would recline and eat a dinner, you would, you would recline, uh, you kind of leaned uh, in to the table, and your feet were hanging out here somewhere behind you, and you reclined and ate. You were on one elbow, I think, and ate with the other one. I don't know if you had to be left-handed or right-handed, depending on who the host was, maybe. But <clears throat> there was a lady that came in at that meal and began to take care of Jesus' feet. Do you remember? She, she didn't have water. She just poured out tears, used her hair to clean the feet, she kissed the feet. She had some expensive uh, perfume, ointment, and used that and her hair to, to do that for Christ. And the reputation of this woman was that she was a sinner, of course. And, you know, they're, they're watching Jesus at this meal. Jesus, Jesus told them a little story about two men that owed money. One owed this huge sum, and one owed this smaller sum. And it says that Jesus told them the creditor forgave both, both men. And Jesus asked them, who do you suppose appreciated it more? Who do you think loved the creditor more? Well, probably the one that was forgiven the most. And then you remember what Jesus said to Simon. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint me with oil. But this woman has demonstrated her love. And Jesus said, she's been forgiven a great deal. Therefore, she loves greatly. We are to walk in love because we've been forgiven a tremendous debt that we could never pay. Do we love the Lord like we should? How would you define love? Love serves, love gives, serves. Love is, selfless. love is selfless service. Love is sacrificial. And all of those things come from the heart. That's what real love is. You remember 1 Corinthians 13? If I have all these gifts and do all these great things, if I don't do it with love, then it's nothing. It must come from the right motivation, and it must be selfless in service. That's the kind of love that Jesus had. That story about the, the, the woman and Simon the Pharisee's house, I, I, I once heard a missionary tell a story about a lady who had had smallpox in this foreign country. And this woman was distraught, very upset. And she was asked why, what's, what's the matter? And she says, well, I, I, I just want my hair to grow out. Oh, it sounds like female vanity, but that's not what it was. 
She wanted to be able to do what that woman did to Jesus. She had had smallpox. Her hair had been cut off. She wanted her hair to grow. She didn't want Jesus to come until her hair grew out so she could show her love for Christ. Do, does that resonate with us? Do we want to show that kind of love? Jesus, of course, is given as the example in verse 2. Uh, we're given this command to love, and then we're given the example we are to have this love. We're to walk in the kind of love that Christ had and that Christ did, just as he did. He is the pattern that we are to imitate. What did he do? He loved you and gave himself. Love gives. God so loved that he gave, right? Jesus gave. Obviously, the cross is in view here. He died for us. He gave himself up for us. Does love sacrifice? Yes, Jesus was an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Love gives, gives sacrificially. He could give nothing greater than himself, and he did that for us. <clears throat> you know, Love is not just something we kind of kind of feel inside here. It's not just a sentimental thing. It's not just a feeling. I, I submit to you that you know we don't really love if we don't give. Now that's not just measured by the what you put in the offering plate, although that's part of it. <clears throat> but do we give ourselves? give of ourselves. Jesus gave himself. Do we give in love to him? Paul says it's an aroma to God, a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. That doesn't mean that God really enjoyed the burning of animals on their sacrificial altar. That he that, that God has a nose and all the senses that goes with that. What it means is that it was pleasing, it was acceptable to him. <clears throat> what Christ did, what, what happened when Christ gave himself was pleasing to his Father. Because it really truly did reveal his great love. <clears throat> is your love like Christ? Are you giving of yourself? I believe a great deal of that giving is to be seen and, and done in a local church setting. Are you giving yourself here? Should be. Now, there's a great deal to be said in verses 1 and 2 about the kind of love that we are to have. To me, it's amazing that Paul does what he does at verse 3. He goes to the negative. He says, now, you're, you're to love and you're, you're to be like Christ, but you're not to be this over here. Now, verse 3 starts out with the word but. That, wor that word connects what is said in verse 3 with what is said in verses 1 and 2. It's a, it's a word of contrast, but it's still connected with what goes on before it. And we would say, we might say, immorality, impurity, greed. Well, that, that's, that's so far away from love. Why, why didn't he use that when he spoke of holiness? 
in the previous setting here. Why does he bring that up when he's talking about love? Why is this here? <clears throat> I have a little uh, piece of paper here. I, 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 this was passed out some years ago, actually. A man preached a message on misguided love. Love that is, you know, not, not Bible love. Some people have a love for God, but not a love for people. It's like the, like the Pharisee. A sanctimonious, a pious love. Oh, I love God. I don't love my neighbor over here. Some people have a selective love. They love certain people that are like them, but they don't have the kind of love that God has. Some people have a secular love. It's just the opposite of the first one. Some people love God, but not people. Some people love people, but not God. That's secular. That's, that's not Bible love. But then there's the kind of love that I think Paul is writing about here in verse 3, 4, and 5. That is a sentimental kind of love. It's a warm feeling. It's a, it's a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> but it lacks obedience. It lacks character. What kind of love was, was Christ talking about? When you love me, keep my... Keep my commandments. It's not just sentimental. It's an obedient love. It's the biblical love. <clears throat> That's why these words about immorality and so forth are in here. Verse 3, 4, and 5. <clears throat> you know what, what it was like in the, in the days of Paul in the city of Ephesus? <clears throat> Ephesus had a number of idol temples, Right? Great is Diana of the Ephesians. They had the imperial cult there, the emperor worship in a temple to the emperor and so forth. And they had other more personal idol temples and things there. But you know that part of the worship of those pagan idols was what? It was immoral. temple prostitutes and so forth. How convenient. Can't, you know, I, how e easy it is for us to see this was man-made religion so that man could be immoral and religious at the same time. <clears throat> Paul says that's not the kind of love that we have for God. When he's talking about immoral and impure and greed here, what's, what's the difference between that and love? Well, we could name a whole bunch of stuff, but here's, I think, the very, a very simple answer. Love is about being a sacrificial giving to others. Immoral and greed, it's all about what I can get for self. That's not what love. We, we must be responsible in our love for God not to practice these things. If we are practicing these things, if we enjoy these things, 
then something is seriously wrong with our love for God and our practice of that love. So, it says don't do these things. In verse 3, there is our conduct. And now the word greed here goes beyond conduct to a motive, but still the basic emphasis is on conduct here. Lust, immorality, uh, this word for being immoral is a big, broad word that includes everything. The word for impurity <clears throat> uh, is also a big, broad word. That every, every kind, all sorts of defilement, uncleanness, impurity is, is in that word. And then there's that word greed here. The internal attitude behind it all. Just out for self. Paul says that these things do not belong in the life of a, believe, of a believer. This must not be named among you as is proper among saints. I don't think he's saying that we can never mention these words. Here they are in Scripture. But they shouldn't be named as something that we do. That person does this, that person shouldn't be named that way in our midst. <clears throat> it's a sad day that we live in, isn't it? And these things are practiced by, by confessing believers. <clears throat> Don't do these things. They're not part of what our, our conduct should be if we love the Lord. Furthermore, <clears throat> if I love the Lord, I won't do these things, right? Furthermore, if I love my neighbors myself, I won't do these things. If I love the people in this local church, I won't do those kind of things that are damaging to the reputation of this church. Because those things are damaging. Walk in love. Don't do these things. It's not only our conduct, verse 3, but it's our conversation, verse 4, that should be affected by our love. There must be no filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting. <clears throat> Filthiness, shameful, disgraceful conversation. Foolish talk or silly, foolish talk that includes off-color kind of things. We're not to be speaking of those things. Coarse, jesting, similar, dirty, suggestive kind of words or hurtful kind of words where we hurt others. I like to pick on people. I like to enjoy some humor. He's talking about hurtful things here. We want to be careful. Our humor, our jesting isn't hurtful or inappropriate. And that's, that's what he says here. These things are not fitting. They're inappropriate for believers. Our, our life shouldn't be characterized by these things and our words should not be characterized be the, by these things. We should not be vulgar in content or in speech or we're demonstrating that we don't love Christ. Instead, he says, verse 4, giving of thanks. Don't, don't, don't have this kind of speech but have this kind of speech, giving of thanks. Giving of thanks reflects our love. 
if we're thankful for what he's done for us and we love him, we thank him. <clears throat> That's part of the way we express love with each other. We're thankful. Certainly it should be that way with God as well. The last verse here, verse 5, gives us a reason for all these things. Why should I love, imitate Christ? Why should I not do these things? Verse 5 says, For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. If we are characterized by immorality, impurity, covetousness, we are really characterized as an idolater according to this verse. You see that? We're an idolater. We're not a believer in Christ. Those two things just do not go together. I believe what's being said in this verse is that if, if, the, if the general characteristic of our life, if our, if our living, our, our lifestyle is immoral and impure, this is, this, is our, this is our standard, this is what we are really like, then we don't belong to Christ. Can we be tempted in these areas? Can we sin, sin in these areas and then forsake that sin? Yes. But our life must not be characterized by them. A Christian's life changes when it comes to Christ, right? You know, this isn't the only place that says something like this in the Scriptures. There's about four places that say this, the same sort of thing. If you go back just a few pages in your Bible to the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, <clears throat> there's a fruit of the Spirit there at the end of chapter 5. Just before he mentions the fruit of the Spirit, look what, look what is said there. Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're not believers. They will not be in God's kingdom someday. They're not saved. That's the same thing he says here in Ephesians 5. He does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. So what are we to do with that verse everything that's been said about love here in the first four verses <clears throat> I think that it says we should examine ourselves are we practicing the kind of love characterized by this and not characterized by these other things <clears throat> and so that should say to me to us to you does it say well I'm a believer and my life bears it out or, if these things are a big part of my life and they characterize me, maybe I'm not saved. The scripture says to make your calling and election sure. Make sure you're a believer. If our, love is, if our life is characterized by love, or is it characterized by this selfishness, it says something about us. Don't be deceived into thinking 
Sin's not so bad. This is not a big problem. I do this over here so I can get away with this over here. No. That's not what the scripture says. Forty years after Paul wrote this book to the church at Ephesus, you know that there was another book written to the book, written to the people of Ephesus. It was a real short letter. You know where it was found, right? In the first part of the book of Revelation. Ephesus was one of those seven churches. In fact, it was the first church addressed in the book of Revelation, the first few verses of chapter 2, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary, but I have this against you. Everything sounds so good about the church at Ephesus. They're doing all the right things. But the Lord Jesus says, I have something against you. You, you know what it is, don't you? You have left your first love. Paul wrote for them to walk in love. Keep on living this way. Let your lifestyle be characterized by this. Let all that you do be based on love. <clears throat> Apparently that didn't happen, did it? For, about 40 years later, uh, the, the indictment against them through the uh, Apostle John in the book of Revelation is they left their first love. It is possible for us to do the same thing, I'm afraid. to be busy about things, to try and do the right thing without having the right love, the right motivation inwardly so that it results in the right outward life as well. I hope that you will take these words, take this passage, think about it, apply it, look at yourself and see what characterizes you. Our Father, we're thankful for these things. In your word, we're thankful for the book of, of Ephesians. And I pray that you'd help us to see the importance of our responsibility to walk in love. We're told to walk in love here. We, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus and the fact that he demonstrated love, what it means to walk in love. And I pray that you'd help us in a very sinful society, a very immoral culture around us, Help us not to be tempted by these things and to be drawn into these things. Help us not to give our thoughts to them, to be turned aside from our love to you. Help us to realize these, the, the, the kind of immorality that's all around us. It, it's just not part of the love we are to have for you. It, it's something that we must stay away from. I pray that you'd help these folks here to, to understand the truths that are here. Help me to understand them. Help me to apply them. Live them out. And to walk in love. 
as, as I've been commanded. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.